listening to missing pieces. I am going live on my podcast and my wisdom app at the same time. So we are now in day 12 and we are coming to the end of the series, The Genealogy of Christ. And so I decided to incorporate the days, I mean, the chapters into one chapter. So in other words, even though we're in day 12, I am combining four different chapters in with day 12, which would have typically given us uh, chapter, um, excuse me, day 12, 13, 14, 15, day 21, but we're going to do it as day 12. And so I'm doing this because I'm following the lead of the Holy Spirit. He said, incorporate it and switch gears and let's get going. So in our last podcast, um, life has been very busy for me because I am a mother, I'm an auntie, I'm a sister, I'm an elder, I'm a friend, and also I am a counselor. And lately, everyone that I've been coming across is... Uh, for some reason, they are dealing with something in life. And I always revert them back to the word of God with simplicity and the understanding of sociology and psychology. And when you understand all three of these elements, then your life will be much better. Because when you look at sociology and psychology, there's a name behind your upbringing. There's a name why you are, um, your family may or may not be dysfunctional. Dysfunctional. There may be, uh, there's a name behind your mood. There's a name um, behind how you grew up, how you learned how to walk, how you learned how to talk. And then there's also that um, hierarchy, that hierarchy of needs and wants. And that's dealing with on how to survive day by day. Okay. So always remember when you're listening to the genealogy of Christ, I need you to understand the inheritance that comes with the legacy and the place where everything took place at. There's a reason it goes in that sequence, inheritance, legacy, and place. Let's go. So Bathsheba, she was Uriah's wife. And we talked about her in the last day. That comes in 2 Samuel and 1 Kings. Now, they were in uh, uh, Bathsheba and David committed adultery. Because back then it was considered to be unclean to sleep with another person's wife without going through the purification process. There was a process that you had to go through um, in order to, to not be with your husband, but be with someone else. And it was a called a purification process. And so when Bathsheba slept with David, she became pregnant. And in order for David to cover up his sin, he had his main friend, I mean, his ace buddy, his, his, main, his main boy, Uriah, 
killed on the battlefield. This angered God. Then there was Solomon. Solomon acts for wisdom. And you're going to find this in 1 Kings. Solomon became the very last king to reign over Israel. And he sought God for wisdom to guide his people. Yep. And God became disappointed in Solomon because he married many, 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 many women. And all of these women did not worship God and they committed adultery. And so, uh, excuse me, not adultery, idol. They idled, they worshiped other gods. And so in order for God to get Solomon's attention, he appeared to Solomon in a dream and told him to ask of anything and I shall give it to you. And so a Solomon asked God for wisdom because he was young in youth and he did not know how to serve his people. And then there was Rehoboam. Rehoboam was a burden to God's people. And you're going to find that in 2 Chronicles 10th chapter. Now, Rehoboam became the first king of the southern kingdom of Judah. And this all happened after the civil war, which divided all of these nations. And he was a cruel king. He was very demanding and he was very um, liberal. And he became leader over all of the tribes except Judah and Benjamin because Judah and Benjamin rejected him as king. They did not bow down to his idols. They did not bow down to him as king, and they did not want to live the life that he was living. And so Rehoboam, he rejected God, and he led his people to worship other gods. Whatever they wanted to do, hey, go for it. You do whatever you want to do. And that also included those two golden calves. Now, you saw those golden calves when you saw the Ten Commandments. We see it every year during Christmas. You see it, and, and you know what those golden calves look like. And those golden calves happen to be the same idols that they worship in Israel before escaping Egypt during Solomon's tenure. Right when Solomon was um, over Israel, they were worshiping uh, those type of calves. And then when he died, it was like, and, and you read Second Chronicle, it tells you how everything was going to be, um, uh, the nations were going to be divided, how people were no longer going to worship, quote unquote, God, and they were going to uh, worship those idols because they saw, saw pleasure in doing those things. Now, Ahaz, he was promised a sign. And you're going to find this in 2 Kings, 2 Chronicles, and Isaiah 7. Now, Ahaz was worse than Rehoboam. He was evil. And he was just downright unfaithful. And he worshipped other gods. He worshipped who he wanted to. 
you weren't going to tell him who to do, what to do, how to do it. He wasn't down for that. And he led the entire nation of Judah into the hands of their enemies. And I'm going to tell you who those enemies are soon. But yet he received an important prophecy that through Isaiah, the deliverer at the time he was called, Isaiah was called the deliverer, that Emmanuel would come from Ahaz's own family line. Now, the genealogy of Christ, you know, and I'm going to talk about it right quick. These people were off the chain. They were godly people. They were people that wanted to do their own thing. They decided that they didn't want to live like that. They want to enjoy life. They want to party, have fun, have sex, do whatever they wanted to do. And they did it. And then came Hezekiah. Hezekiah, he was the reformer and the restorer. And you're going to find this in 2 Kings 18 and verse 2. And then you're going to find it in 2 Chronicles chapters 29, 30, and 31. And you know what? Hezekiah, he became the first, excuse me, the 12th king of Judah. And he restructured the people back to true worship by cleansing the temple. And he reinstated the Passover. Because back then when Ahaz and Rehoboam and Solomon, they forgot all about the Passover. It was like it never existed. But there were some that still observed it. Um, he reestablished the priesthood. And because of this, God answered the prayers to do, uh, 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 deliver Jerusalem from the hands of their enemies, Assyria. Now, Assyria is now called northern Iraq and southern Turkey. Those were the enemies and those were the people that um, Ahaz delivered the nation of Judah into their enemies, into the hands of those in Iraq. So now you're, you're seeing from, from day one up until day 12 that Jesus's lineage is all mixed up now. It's, it's just all discombobulated. They are mixed up with the Hittites and the Amorites and, and, and the Jezebites, and they're all mixed up. All of the blood now has been mixed up. And so now God has the task of now deciphering and sifting out, you know, who is really true blood Israelites. And so in the beginning of my segment, I mentioned to you that when you understand and study the Bible, you uh, can also apply the studies of sociology and psychology when you can see where Christ has taken many of the generational lineage who decided to do things their way and form a whole new generation of non-believers, non-worshippers, worshipers of idols, because they decide and they desired to have fun. Their desire were they wanted to do what was told of them not to do. And so they wanted to be defiled. They wanted um, their sinful nature to take over. And they became inquisitive like we are today. We are a, a bunch of inquisitive human beings. And some of us, we want to experience 
that which was told to us that was sinful. And some of us, quote unquote, and I hear this from my my little nieces and nephews when they were little. Well, auntie, how are we going to know if it's sinful if we don't experience it? And so you sit back. And when they said that, I, I looked at them like these little rugrats. How in the world can you say that? But I couldn't say anything because you know what? I lived a sinful life. I did drugs. I had two kids out of wedlock. I had an abortion. So I know exactly what they were talking about because I was raised in the church. My father and my mother was a deacon and and I knew God, but I still, I love the enticement of hanging out and partying. And so, you know, life can be tempting. And just like David and Bathsheba, they committed adultery and had a child out of wedlock, but God killed that child. And on top of that, David had his best friend murdered to cover up his sin. And they doing that today. You know, it's like adultery is live and kicking. And many people find themselves admiring someone else other than their partner, their wife or the husband. Why? Because it was done back then. And so it happens, but it should not happen. It's life, but it should not happen. And so where's the oath? for better or for worse. And you know what? Some relationships can bounce back from the hurt and some cannot because you know what? That trust has been broken. And although God has forgiven the person, that doesn't mean that the consequence is overlooked. There will be a consequence. You will be forgiven, but in the meantime, there is going to be a consequence. Now let's look at Solomon. He became king. Okay, cool. And he asked God for wisdom because his life became turmoil. And he didn't know how to judge his people because people were coming in asking him how to do this. What should should I do? And he did not know. So he asked God for wisdom. And he needed that wisdom so that he could manage his kingdom. And he didn't need no nothing else because he was wealthy. He was young. He was handsome. And he knew he could have any woman he wanted. So, you know, when you and I, and we pray and we ask for wisdom and guidance, you know, God is there to, to help us, to help us, you know, uh, 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 give us guidance on life, on how to raise our children. It also, the, the wisdom and the guidance also help us to discern, to discern, to discern, to discern when our children are asking and crying out for help. And you know, and you need that wisdom. You need that wisdom and you need that guidance to know the difference when our children are themselves and when they are not. And that goes for our own personal life. We need wisdom to decide, should I go here? Should I do that? Should I, you, you when you study the word of God and you study sociology and you study psychology, everything falls into place. It does. It's, it's like God knew about sociology and psychology before the books were even written, before those who, who discovered it even knew anything about it. Because you, it, it helps us in our 
personal lives and our marriage life and in our work environment and our financial needs. And you know what? Wisdom can help us to take care of our hierarchy needs before our wants. There, and, and I can't think of the man's name because I'm on a roll right now, but there's a hierarchy of needs, how we are to survive in life. It's like a pyramid. Go look it up. It's like a pyramid and it tells you what you need to survive in life and finances and food and shelter and clothing and all of those things are in it. But once you apply that and you have obtained those things, you don't need to go out and have a house full of clothes that you haven't worn or a bunch of food in the freezer and you, you live alone and you know, you're just spending your money recklessly and you're part of quote unquote, the groups that are uh, on Facebook and they're showing items and I'm, I'm guilty of it. I'm going to raise up both hands because I love purses and I love shoes. And I got rid of all of my old purses and I decided I wanted new purses because my kids was not getting me what I want. But then God said, put the brakes. No more of that. You've gotten enough purses. Now let's go to Rehoboam and Ahaz. They were a product of greed, selfishness, and they just went against the grain. They didn't care. They just went against the grain. And their path was a product of Solomon's inability to stay in the course following the path of faithfulness like his father David. And although he sought wisdom, he also sought the need to bring happiness to his fleshly needs. And that's what happened with Rehoboam and Ahaz. Everything is according to the inheritance, um, um, the significance, and the place. God knew, it's like he knew exactly what he was doing. And he did this because he wants us to see that what, how these people live in the Old Testament and the New Testament, that's us. We are them. We are they. We're just like them. And God knew exactly what he was doing. And so Rehoboam and Ahaz, they knew what they were doing, but their desire overridden their faithfulness. And you know what? Being faithful can be difficult at times. It is. Being faithful is not easy, but it's also determined how you view your life and how you want to live. And I can honestly say that I tried the pleasures of life, sin, drugs, sex, I was incarcerated, went through all of that sex before marriage. As a matter of fact, I never made it to marriage, but it took away my future. When I dabbled into all of these things, it took away my future. Had I not went that way, it's no telling how God would have redirected my path. But because I went through all of that, and now he using everything that I went through to help somebody else and knowing who he is and helping them understand themselves through sociology, psychology. I'm a counselor. So now it, 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 it was becoming to the point that it was a job. Yeah, I'm telling you, it was a job 
trying to live a pleasurable, sinful life because you had to figure out what you were going to wear, where you was going, how you was getting there, you know, how long you was going to hang out, the type of person you were going to hook up with, what kind of high you was going to get. It was becoming like a job. It was like you had to map it out. So then God put the brakes on me and said, that's it. I'm locking you up. I got locked up three different times. And the last time I was in a woman's prison and I got out, I was only there for 11 months. And I learned more about God in those 11 months in prison by a dear friend named Vicky. I will never forget her. As a matter of fact, we stay in contact with each other. And hopefully I'll get to travel and see her this summer. I learned more about God and why I was the way I was and why I did what I did when I was locked up than I did now. I came out knowing who I was because God had put me on all apartments and had me to figure out who I was and why I did and what he was going to do with me. And you're going to do such and such and such at the appropriate time, such and such and such. And I went all the way around the mulberry bush to get me to right where I'm at. And had I not did the pleasure of sin, drug, sex, I probably would be well known by now. I probably would be be well on my way to uh, asking God for wisdom and other things because, hey, I got wealth now. I got it going on. I don't need that. But instead... I had to ask him for those things. And you know what? And then Hezekiah, he restored everyone back on course. How many, he, it's like he placed everyone back in their lane and they stayed in that lane to please God. And as we look at the hierarchy of needs, we too have the ability to get back in the right lane. We have the ability to make the right choices. But if I never had made those choices back then when I was young, I probably wouldn't have gone all the way around. And sometimes, you know, when I'm doing this study here, the genealogy of Christ, it makes me wonder that if everyone had done everything the way God wanted to, uh, it to be done, what would have happened with mankind? How would we have turned out? Were we going to be the ones that were so, you know, pleasing unto God that we did no wrong? Would he, would we need him? Would we ever call out to him? If, if, if Adam and Eve in the garden, that's where it all started. If Eve had never bitten the apple, what would have happened to mankind? What would have happened to you and I? Would we be these people that we had so much wealth and we were never sick? We, we never did anything wrong. We would tap our children's hand. Oh, no, that's not, you don't, no, no, no. We, we don't do that. It's, it reminds me of this movie that I saw on TV where everyone was goody two-shoes. And it was so sickening that I turned from it because that was not a reality. And so it wouldn't have been a reality. So what would have happened to mankind, to God's, to Christ's lineage, 
if everybody did what God told them to do and they did it without mummering or complaining like we do right now, we murmur, we complain and we get upset and just like Bathsheba and David, if a man came in and saw his wife having sex with another man other than him, a fight would break out. That would have been back then. Back then, it would have been a fight and they would have died. someone would have died with the sword. But now people are dying with guns. But in my time, there would have been a fight. It would have been a physical fist fight because that's how we fought. We fought physical fist fight. We didn't go and get a gun and come back and shoot. And now what we used to do then, you can't do now. You can't go out here and have an, a, a, a sexual, a commit adultery and don't think that you're going to pay that consequence because you're going to pay that consequence immediately because the tolerance that we humans have now is very quick we have we're very short temper we we don't understand we don't want to understand the sky is black and you ain't going to tell me that it's black but i see it's purple the sky is blue but i'm looking at black because all of my life i've dealt with heartbreak and heartaches and so you you can't do what they did, but we are them and they are us and we are them. So we're all together. We're the same people, but we are just doing it differently. God is so strategic and I love him. I love the way he It's like, it's, it's like some people say, God is the gifter of good and evil. And then you hear sermons saying that everything that happens to you is not always the devil. It's, you know, sometimes it's God. But you can't say that to someone who's a babe in Christ because they're trying to get to know Christ. And so the last thing they need to hear is that God allowed this evil to come upon me and I don't understand why. So when you are a leader of a congregation of babes and they're still drinking milk, you got to ease them into it because people in the Bible, they are us and we are them. That's why I'm doing this lineage of Christ. He wants us to understand that we are just like them. We're just in a different century and they are just like us. And they are the models of us, or how some of us are. And yes, quote unquote, there are some that are goody two shoes. There are some who never do wrong. And there are some that 